Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host. Today, we're going to be talking about auto-updating, auto-updating your website or your web store, uh, making sure that your software stays up-to-date, secure, compliant, you're getting the latest bug fixes and patches, and what the best practices for trying to do something like that look like when you should be auto-updating and maybe even when you shouldn't. Uh, with me today, we've got a, a great guest. Uh, we have Johannes. From the Coderio team, and uh, his team specializes in this sort of thing. So, with no further ado, uh, Johannes, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Hello, Robert. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my name is Johannes Noll. I'm one of the co-founders of Coderio and also CodeShield. Um, I'm from Germany, or the companies are based in Germany. Coderio is in the middle of Germany, next to Frankfurt. It's a smaller city called Darmstadt. Yeah, and we specialized, as you mentioned already, in updating um, open source components, as for example, Drupal, but also Node.js or other technologies, JavaScript, Python, different technologies. But I don't want to get into detail about that right now. Sure. And about myself, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, living here in Darmstadt, and or sometimes I've been, I'm been in the countryside. Um, yeah, where my family is living, two hours to the north from here. Uh, but mostly I'm working on the companies for sure because I want to build something good for software developers. That's my my goal behind it. Yeah, well, I think a lot of us put in a lot more hours than people uh, sometimes realize just because we enjoy what we do, you know. And a lot of this, it's almost our own internal gamification that you really want to make it better. Yeah, and so there's that internal drive. Yeah, and I always see the the value for the software developers, and I see what they did before and after, and that makes me quite happy. So that's why I love to work a lot at the yeah. end. <laughs> and you know, I, one of my favorite questions I always get to okay. ask: How did uh, you come to the name uh, with Coderio? I hear the word code, of course, but. Uh, is there a good story behind uh, how you actually chose the name and, and how you were able to zero in on that? Yeah, um, of course, there's a story. It has, has to have one. And we made, well, it's like an evolution. We originally started with um, called the name DropGuard. That was the first name. Um, drop because of Drupal. And the Drupal logo was um, like, it's a drop. Mm -hmm. originally and that's why we had to drop guard to secure or the guard for Drupal. Then the next evolution has been app guard because we then generalized the product because we didn't yeah use the Drupal only but other um, so open source components. But then at the fair in Germany we realized um, if you say something yeah I'm from app guard everyone thinks okay they have something to do with a smartphone app and that's not the case. So there was a huge misunderstanding. And after that, it was then the, the third step. We said, okay, we need to change something. It need, we need to have a catchier name and no one associates with anything. And then we came up with Coderio and you are right. Yeah, at the beginning, it's code like that everyone knows, okay, it's just code. And then 
we are German, we are not no native speakers in English. We say, okay, we need to have some some ending, and we suggested, okay, Kuderio. And that's how we it did stuck. it. Stuck. Yeah. No, no, and then it stuck. I like it's that stuck. though, that experience that, you know, a name that really just suggested that you work with apps, that that didn't work out well. I mean, there's all these famous examples of you know, businesses spending tons of money, you get, you know, like the Chevy Nova, and you try to take this vehicle, this car down to Latin America, where Nova, Nova means no go, who really wants a car called the no go. <laughs> uh, that, so yeah, we, sometimes, you know, best laid plans don't, uh, don't work out too well. So, well, uh, glad you found something that worked a lot better. But now the question from me to you, uh, is there anything bad about Kuderio from your point of view? <laughs> Not yet, but uh, okay. let's see if anybody responds to this episode with anything yep. in particular. You never know. Uh, okay. Maybe someone knows something that I don't. Uh, it, yep. You know, don't tell my wife uh, once in a while. You know, I don't know everything, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly don't do tell so. my kids. Uh, do so. so if someone uh, has some issues with the name please let me know would be would appreciate that yeah it would yeah. be perfect <laughs> i think it's great and you mentioned code shield as well another company that that you're you know part of uh founding mm -hmm. what's the difference between coderio and code shield what's mm -hmm. led you to create two different brands um yeah it's not only two different brands it's two separated companies um so coderio is started from uh, Drupal and is in uh, yeah, technical uh, speaking, it's a software composition analysis tool. So um, it analyzes the Git repository of customers and checks, okay, what are the open source components components in it? Checks the version, is it vulnerable or not? And automates the updates for um, technologies like Drupal, uh, Magento, Python, NPM, JavaScript, so different uh, technologies. And CodeShield has another approach. CodeShield is for cloud native applications. So um, right now the focus on AWS Lambda and it yeah, secures the whole infrastructure of those applications. So it could be um, a misconfiguration in the, in the infrastructure, it could be um, um, a security vulnerability with um, a SAST solution which we have so that's the the difference did i did you get the the difference between it yeah, or it's I, also I think technical I, technical description yeah i'll maybe try to um save our listeners from needing to if they're not specialists in some of the, yeah. the specific languages from diving too deep but i i get that there's differences i'm, I'm actually going to pull it back to a higher level in terms of differences yeah. because i know that some platforms like uh, a WordPress, you know, now has some level of auto updating involved in some mm -hmm. cases, maybe, you know, from from what I read in the news and what I <laughs> hear, maybe too much where, you know, uh, sometimes website owners are upset when something auto updates and, and breaks something, you know, especially things that they didn't expect, you know, modules or, or uh, plugins that they didn't expect to update. Uh, why is it that a lot of these platforms are trying to add some level of auto updating sometimes winning sometimes not uh, and why is it that some of the, some of these platforms like magento and uh, and as you've been working with now for years Drupal uh, have not had an easy road to it um, you mean that the, the users don't have an easy road with it or the, the oh, or maybe even the, the platforms themselves so mm -hmm. You know, I, I know that Drupal with Drupal 9 has been working towards some level of auto updating, 
But I also know that at the same time that this has been a, a long time coming, <laughs> that uh, you've been successful in helping businesses, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for some time now. And, you know, they're still still working at it, uh, trying to achieve something. What is it that's the big challenge in this? Is it that auto updating breaks things? <laughs> <laughs> it it can be like that, but it shouldn't be like that. And I think that's the, one of the most important things to take care of when automating updates. Um, but if you're talking about WordPress, Drupal, Magento, I see WordPress a little bit different than other technologies because the users of WordPress are a little bit different to the other uh, technologies because I think WordPress users are not so tech savvy. So they are more yeah, not so deep into technology. So maybe that's why it's even more important for WordPress to have auto updates because what happens if you don't do yeah, patching or automation of updates or not patching versions, then at the end, the platform or website is vulnerable and that's what you should avoid. It should avoid definitely. And with Drupal and Magento, I think there are more tech-savvy people involved. So the it's not so important to have auto updates from from scratch or provided directly because people should take care of themselves or they should be possible. Of course, what I see in the market is that they don't do sometimes what's also bad, but the I think the percentage of these people in Drupal and Magento are lower than compared to WordPress if both had no auto updates, I guess. And I think yeah. that's why there's a difference. And it's quite hard to do that, of course, because you mentioned Drupal and it's... Yeah, it's quite hard to do to do that. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point that the user base, something like WordPress, there might be a lot of businesses that don't have an agency or a dev team or a full-time developer or someone that's really dedicated to continually managing something for them Mm -hmm. where, you know, if your business is running a mid-market or enterprise e-commerce website, for instance, or, you know, you're a multi-thousand person organization uh, you know, maybe even a nonprofit, let's say, but, you know, using Drupal. Well, you've got some dedicated resources there um, that are going to be able to, to follow best practice. And you probably also have development environments, staging environments, production environments. You've got some kind of workflow. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that also changes things because you are really set up to test rather than uh, to just roll something out to live, in which case it's going to break anyway if, if there's a problem. Uh, you're actually going to know first and be able to address conflicts and uh, and, and issues somewhere uh, you know, with these bigger platforms uh, because you have some kind of a, a workflow that includes that kind of testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I but only the the size of the company which is uh, using then the Drupal or whatever. What I saw in the market is that it's not related to security at the website because, for example, the case of Lenovo, you may have heard about it. Um, Lenovo didn't um, yeah, use the current versions of their open source components. And by that, they had an outdated version which was vulnerable. And then I think 115,000 website visitors um, have been exposed to a crypto miner by that. So even if you say, okay, a huge company or an agency ha- has to have different process steps, testing and so on, uh, yeah, it's st- still also a problem, even if you are aware 
of your current versions or depending are you aware if you have the steps but a lot of people are also not aware of the current versions and vulnerabilities but i think i can just recommend to everyone to take care of that even big companies fail with it sometimes well look and sometimes businesses don't even understand what type of regulations they're under so you know, in e-commerce and that that applies to WooCommerce and Drupal Commerce and, of course, Magento and uh, and, you know, any other platform, PrestaShop, Xcart, Cilius, Shopware, uh, you know, p- pick your <laughs> your platform of the day. Mm-hmm. No matter what you're using, um, if you're accepting online payment cards, credit cards, debit cards, that sort of thing, you're expected to patch within 30 days uh, of the patch release. And so companies that push these things off are out of compliance and are taking on different kinds of risks and uh, have different kinds of issues. So they, they've got made a commitment uh, by accepting these payment cards that they're not necessarily honoring uh, in the moment. And I think that you know, what do you think about some of the other regulations that are hitting in terms of the need to keep data privacy? Because as far as I know, when we start talking GDPR, CCPA, and these different um, data privacy regulations, there are also some expectations that the businesses uh, and organizations that own these websites that they're going to follow, not only best practice for letting someone be forgotten for deleting data, mm-hmm. um, but for safeguarding the data so that it's not stolen and abused by third parties just you know, <laughs> just as, as much. Uh, do you think that, that that is having any impact or, or might have an impact on the market moving forward? Um, definitely it had already, but it will also have in, in the future. Um, you mentioned already that yeah, uh, developers or companies have to patch within 30 days, for example. Um, and also in uh, GDPR in, in Germany, it always says, okay, you need to have state-of-the-art encryption, for example. And also patching uh, is one of the yeah most important topics which is um, mentioned in it. Um, so it will have an impact or it does have an impact already. And but what is in this law, for example, is in some cases even. I mean, it's a good idea to have it in by law, and you have to do it. It's a good idea. But what I saw in in Drupal, for example, in some cases, the thirty days are much too long. I saw cases where um, from the release till the first automated exploit has just been six hours. I've been at a security event in East of Europe at a specialized security event with security experts. And they did, yeah, provided some showcases because they always measure, okay, when did we put out the, the patches? And then after they release a patch of a new open source, a new open source component, then the time runs because then the attackers analyze the new patch and the old patch and try to build an exploit. And then it's just a matter of time how long it will take. Well, that makes them. sense. Look, if yeah. you're, you know, if you're a hacking group and that's what you, uh, what you do all day and you yeah. see that a new vulnerability um, has been uncovered and there's a patch, you want to take advantage of it before everyone installs the patch, you're going to try to move quickly. So I guess it, it's a race against the clock at that point. Uh, I, I'm with you, the 30 days in some cases, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's giving a, a long stretch of time. Uh, and that that's interesting though. So and you, I think there are industries like, Healthcare in the United States, where a lot of organizations understand that they have to deal with HIPAA compliance um, with, with the information of patients. 
So let's say that the website is dealing with prescriptions or test results or you know mm-hmm. other health information. A lot of those organizations, by and large, understand the repercussions of not uh, not dealing with proper safeguards. I'm not saying that they always patch within 30 days or that they um, go to the furthest possible degree the way that some might hope, but I think the understanding is there. Do you get the impression as you deal with folks that are updating that they really understand the, uh, and maybe outside of Germany, <laughs> that they understand the implications of some of these other regulations that have been coming out? And, you know, coming from the web hosting standpoint, um, mm-hmm. you know, where we deal with all of the firewalling, intrusion detection, malware scanning, all of the, uh, you know, the updating of the hosting environment itself, um, PCI compliance and, and other compliances, but, you know, keeping software like Linux and PHP and these other things up to date. I don't hear many people, at least on this side of, of the Atlantic, talking much about, uh, about their needs uh, for those security layers because of data regulation which is interesting. I, I think it's almost missing from the conversation over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, in the conversations with our um, customers or in conversa- uh, conversations before they sign uh, with us, um, the people don't usually say, okay, it's because of a compliance reason, but I think in the background, they know they're thinking they about it, thinking yeah. about it, or maybe that's the, the original uh, or the, the the starting point internally why they then reach out to us and yeah our customers come from netherlands or um, united kingdom um, also germany so different different markets in europe and also israel um so there the regulations are a little bit different but at some point in the conversations you you have some questions where they are relating to it that's what you uh, what sometimes so that's happens. that's the good pickup is you know when they are that makes enough sense to me, uh, you know, because it's funny how sometimes there are influencing factors um, that people don't always think about that change how people look at security or why they do what they do, why, why they're uh, driven to take certain actions. You know, and I know I started talking about core platforms like Drupal and, and Magento and such. What about all of the add-on software, the plugins, the modules, the uh, extensions and add-ons, every platform wants to call them something different uh, and might interact with them a little bit differently. Do you find that that's exactly the same challenge or maybe there are, uh, there are cases where people are more focused on the core and it's the modules that are being exploited? Uh, oh, that's a good question. I didn't have a statistic for that. What's what's the focus on that? What I see in our customers is that they, likewise, they take care of their core, Drupal core, for example, and also the modules, uh, which is called in, in Drupal. And with Coderio, they can update, update both. So core modules and can check everything and automate the updates. Um, so I don't see any preference for them that they just say, okay, we just want to update core. And in my opinion, it doesn't make sense to just update core, the core or the modules. Um, yeah, need to take care of the whole or the whole Git repository and all the technologies you are running in it. Because if you just uh, yeah update or patch one part and the other one you don't up patch 
in my opinion, Basically, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you lock the front door and the back door is yeah. wide open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then it's, uh, I mean, even better than doing nothing, but in my opinion, it's then hmm, not a good idea, yeah. to be honest. But I also I also had conversations with people um, who, to- who said to me, because Drupal updates are coming out on Wednesday evening, uh, German time zone. So in the US, it's, what time is it? 11 a.m. Yeah, a little earlier in the day. Uh, earlier in the day. Um, so they said, okay, we want to um, patch all of our sites within one hour. And I said, okay, not a bad idea. If you can do that, happy happy to hear that. Uh, we will achieve that. So together it's it's possible to do that. But that's an yeah, exceptional case, I would say, that people are so aware and so focused on yeah, fast patching of their sites. But, yeah. I mean, more power to them. I think there's also sometimes some risk or challenge that, that some people try to avoid when you, uh, you're the, among the earlier ones. Because usually by the time patches roll out, they've gone through, in many cases at least, you know, when we're talking, let's say, software updates a new mm-hmm. version, uh, minor version of Drupal, let's say. It's undergone uh, an amount of testing. But when you really start to roll something out to the general user base and it's re- reached its general release, not alpha or beta or, or some earlier testing, uh, you know, there's that balance of, do we want to be among the first to test this and to see if it's, it's got bugs? Um, I know that with better better testing and planning, a lot of platforms have had fewer issues with the patches and updates that they're putting out. But there's always that risk that there's going to be some kind of conflict with a major module or some other challenge that's going to occur. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you can't use this number for major releases or major updates. Not not possible. But for minor updates, um, which have a vulnerability, then it makes sense to apply this approach from the, the company I just mentioned. That mm. makes totally sense. But of course, um, we see that not all of the patches can be applied immediately. Maybe it sometimes takes some days, manual testing, automated testing. So it's quite good to have a, a good process, the ICD pipeline in place, um, which makes it easier. Um, but uh, at the end, it's not also not necessary. You need to have a somehow to, to check it regularly. Um, but yeah, up, up to the people how they prioritize it but of course we have some recommendations what what they should do or if we see that they take takes too long for them to to patch some vulnerable packages then of course um they should definitely take action or we we um, push them to do that yeah. yeah and you mentioned that you asked a question that i didn't really uh have you bring bring stats for anything like that but Getting ready for this episode, I was pulling some stats myself. We've got uh, a whole bunch of security partners that we work with. You know, we like using best-in-class technology, and uh, mm-hmm. depending on on the users that we're supporting, there are different things out there. There's Sansec and and Securi that I looked at, and looking at their data, they were estimating maybe two thirds to three quarters of sites um, on popular platforms like WordPress and Drupal and Magento. We're running on servers with outdated versions of PHP software that wasn't supported, um, meaning that there were no more security patches, that it's outdated and there are known vulnerabilities. Lots of businesses move hosting to providers like JetRails to get properly managed and maintained environments. But 
those same reports, they were showing that the CMS software was was often um, maybe not just as out of date, but it was pretty similar. Uh, in in 2019, Sakuri reported 56% of all CMS applications uh, were out of date mm. at the point that they were infected. So, you know, talking about the sites that actually were exploited in some way by hackers, uh, that, that a large percentage of those, it was, you know, they were left open. Um, why? Uh, to get a little bit back to some of our central theme, why are these businesses not updating? They chose an open source software and they're getting best in class, you know, that way. There's a lot of great reasons for choosing these kinds of platforms and, and you know, users that maintain are really happy. But what's going on with the ones that are falling behind that are ha- maybe it's taking them 20 days to patch? Maybe they're not patching at all with any reliable frequency, but why aren't people patching within a few business days or something more reasonable on average? What's your experience with it? I think that's a, there's a very easy answer to that. Um, if you're a product manager at a company or you're building a product, what has the highest priority to you? It's always new features and features and features. So first features, mm-hmm. and then after that, security and maintenance. And that's how those numbers you mentioned, 50... I'll throw marketing in there with features. That There's always money for that too. <laughs> Let's try yeah. more people. Um, I think so. That's that's the reason behind. So features first, then after that comes the rest. And that's yeah what I also saw in, in the past and in the current situation as well. Um, but I think people miss to calculate at the end if they would automate some of the the steps which are necessary to patch and how much time they need without it, then in the long run, they would save uh, some time um, when they patch regularly. So if you just do features all the time and then at some point you see, okay, we didn't take care of nothing. And then after half a year or a year, you realize, okay, well, we need, we we need definitely to do something that of course it's, it's a lot of work to do, but if you do it on a regular basis, and I know companies from Netherlands, for example, um, they do it every week or every second week, depending uh, on the amount of updates they have. Of course, they have 60 sites, something, or every above 70 sites now. Um, it totally makes sense to do it on a regular basis, and then it's not keeping them so busy if you do it on a regular basis, definitely. So it's it's a good idea to, to take, a, take it on uh, every week or every second week. Yeah. And I'm going to boil something down there just a tiny bit more, because as we talk about prioritizing features and other things, I my sense in all my years in the industry has always been that it comes down to money. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, features are almost, you know, it's more of the symptom than the cause. (laughs) Uh, The problem is that when you're trying to decide what you want to do as a business or as an organization, you want growth. Uh, you want success and, you know, dealing with your, uh, you know, security back of the house stuff that that's an inv- that's not an investment into growth or success. It's an investment into stability. It's it's insurance. <laughs> not, yeah. not that many people get excited about buying insurance. Definitely. And I, I, me neither. 
Yeah. Um, I hate insurances, so I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't buy. <laughs> um, well, and so here we are. That you know, now I've got to sell you your own product. Um, yeah. But it, there's a very easy uh, calculation behind because, of course, I'm I'm asked I'm asked that question a, a lot of times already. So the example, for example, from the the Netherlands um, agency, they have around seventy projects um, before. They used our service. They spent 60 hours per month on updates, on the manu manual doing updates. After they started using Kuderio, they are just six hours per month for them. So right. they they saved for, uh, 54 hours per month. So now you can calculate. I don't know what the hourly rate is in, in the US exactly, but in Europe, let's just say 100 euros or 80 euros something. So it's several thousand euros. And Coderio is a lot cheaper than that. So it's also a good business case for people, higher security and lower maintenance costs. So that's took down the work to 10% of what it was. Now yeah. that's spread out across a variety of their clients. So as opposed to 60 hours, because 60 hours might sound like a lot for, for updates, <laughs> but that's for multiple websites. More than 70 websites. More than 70. Okay. So that's a rough, rough estimation. I don't know, maybe it's 75 something, but. That's for all of their sites uh, for one month. Then that, that's interesting. That's what they what they told me and what they did before and after, and they were quite happy by that. Of, co of course, because they said, I mean, who who does apply patches uh, by fun or who has fun with doing it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's not conversion optimization, mm -hmm. tweaking things to find the best out of this and that. It it's you know <laughs> it, it's uh, more. A little bit, at least, more mindless. I mean, certainly there's debugging conflicts and things like that. So, you know, when we think about that kind of um, process, so they still have to put some time in. Mm -hmm. What is it that they're still doing? What is it that is still, from your perspective, important for the website owners or developers or, you know, maintainers to deal with and mm -hmm. not completely auto update the way that so many people might just get updates to apps on their phone and never have to click anything, never have to do anything. Yeah. Um, of course there are different um, stages or you can do, just do the monitoring with Coderio to see, okay, um, or is my website vulnerable or not? That's the, the base, the basis or the, the easiest way um, or the, the first step I would say. And then the next step would be um, to create um, pull requests, for example, so that you um, can see, okay, what are um, the, the versions which can be updated and to see uh, that Kuderio uh, created a task already, for example. And if you want to, you can yeah, automate this process if you want, or you can also have manual steps like create a Jira ticket. You can then drag and drop a Jira a ticket, for example, to trigger Kuderio. So the, the, the workflow is a totally adaptable um, for the users. Um, yeah, does it ex does it explain that, or did I miss something? I'm not I think sure. Pretty well. Um, if so, kind of going back to that mm -hmm. uh, from seventy ish, sixty or seventy hours down to you know six hours. Mm -hmm. What's uh, what in your perspective? What's left in those six hours, or that, or this client oh, that wants okay. to patch an hour after a Drupal patch is released? What do they still need to do um, mm -hmm. from your perspective, if anything? Or are there cases where you think that they can just 
completely automate a hundred percent and, you know, just walk away from the process and let it all be uh, done by the machines. You know, can we, uh, you know, can we let the machines take over yet or, or are human beings still important to the process? I would love to say yes, that they don't need to do anything, but that's not the truth. So, um, they need to do manual testing, for example, of even if they run automated tests already. At some point, you need to test, um, yeah, the website version. Is it is it still working? For example, so they have some some manual steps involved, what which they still need to do. Um, so that's what they uh, keeps them busy for the six hours. And but at our goal at Coderio at the end is in maybe two years, long term goal um, to provide a probability. Um, does my site break or will will everything be fine? Because that's why people also, one of the reasons why they don't patch is they are afraid of breaking their site. So if I can get their, off their, this fear that the site won't break, then if it's as easy as updating an iPhone app, then everyone would do it. And that's what we would like to achieve, that everyone is patching faster and more often. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I imagine that some of it is, depending on how the site's built, what it's using and reliant on, you know, if they're using, you know, uh, if the core <laughs> is certainly uh, intact and, and other dependencies are as expected. And uh, the farther that they go off script, the more modules that they're running, the more that, that's going on, the more complex, the more to go wrong. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, sometimes there are uh, conflicts between uh, dependencies, as you as you might know. Um, our process is quite good already for uh, even for um, customers who have custom code or custom patches. Um, could be also partly automated that we first extract those custom changes, and after the update of this module, for example, we apply this custom changes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. So we have process steps for that already. But as you mentioned before, we, yeah, there's always some, some failure or some manual tests with, uh, yeah, where, which have to be done afterwards. Yeah. And you mentioned version control software like GitHub. Mm -hmm. Are, is that a prerequisite, um, to using the type of flows that, that your team, uh, supports? Are there other prerequisites involved? Um, other overhead or uh, or challenges or requirements in order to be able to leverage uh, this kind of a faster uh, stream of updates. Yeah. Um, yeah, you are right. With um, the Git repository, it's necessary to have it in place. That's the, the only um, requirement so far. But in addition to that, it's um, yeah useful sometimes to have a CI/CD pipeline in place. But it's also possible um, to do it without it. Um, but we recommend to have a CI/CD pipeline. But it depends on the case. Bo both is both is fine. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think we've covered a lot of what I was hoping to for the day, and that you know we've touched on for for our listeners and viewers uh, a little bit of what <laughs> the updating process looks like for the community and why. Um, how it's evolving and and why uh, the why I think is is always the important part because we know what people want. I think it's the same thing that you and I want. We'd love it all to be a hundred percent automated and hands off. Uh, but when you're dealing with more complex sites, when you're dealing with things that are more innovative or customized, 
that's where you know testing and the, these other facets are, are going to remain important. Before we wrap it up, uh, Johannes, do you have any last thoughts or words for the wise? Anything interesting that, that you wanted to share that we didn't touch on today? Uh, or do you think we really covered it all? <laughs> what that we didn't touch yet? Um, you mean special special thoughts on Drupal, Drupal or Magento? Well, it could or? be. Um, or, or just in general, you know, user experiences that you've had or, or things that you think are going to keep evolving in the market. Uh, I always like to make sure that we, before I wrap up, that... Uh, you know that that, that if uh, if our guests came in thinking about something really strongly, or, or you have some big prediction for the market for this year, uh, or something like that, or something exciting that you're planning to release, that uh, uh, that we sneak that out of you before we let you go. <laughs> ah, okay. See, um, market predictions. Um, I w- I won't uh, take on that. Um, I think one of the most important information I gave I gave before. I think that's a very very important insight for everyone. What I mentioned with uh, when I've been at the tech event in East of Europe, the security event, and because before, I mean, I was doing a DropGuard, AppGuard, Coderio for some years before, and I didn't know that. And when I was at this event and saw the presentation, I was kind of shocked that it just takes six hours after a patch. And that, I think, should know everyone who's maintaining, developing a website. Um because that's a very important information to know, not only about Drupal, but also other open software comp- uh, components. We all know it's it's quite uh, useful to have open source components. And I, I also love it because it makes yeah, life much easier to build, to build things. But at the end, it also needs to be secured. And if you just have six hours in some cases, you need to take action at some time, maybe not in the seventh hour, but... After some days, I would highly recommend that. That's, I think, the most important information. Yeah, that's. I'm gonna agree with you. I, I six hours is less than uh, I, I would have hoped to hear. I mean, I could certainly imagine it, but yeah. I think there's absolutely something to be said for that. That as a website owner or an industry expert, I think more people should be thinking that way because, look. It's an adversarial game of cat and mouse when it comes to security, which is no different than other forms of security and other sectors and other, you know, uh, whether in the physical world or on the web. Or You need to know what you're up against. Uh, that's how good planning happens. That's how good prioritization happens. So, uh, Johannes, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. And uh, as you stumble upon interesting information like that, by all means, we'd love to have you back um, for our uh, for our audience, uh, for those tuned in. Thank you, as always, for tuning in for another episode of the Jet Rails podcast. Uh, we'll have more great episodes like this for you shortly. If you have any questions or thoughts, we're at Jet Rails, pretty much anywhere you can think of, uh, and love the feedback. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and happy... Uh, Happy selling and webmastering out there. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. 
And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.